And today the heading of our uh, sermon is Life Under Control of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 12 through to the end of 17. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in the sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. May the Lord bless this portion of his word to us and give us an understanding of uh, the Bible. Romans chapter 8 verses 12 to 17 and the sermon this morning, Life Under Control of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, from what we have heard from the Word of God over the last few Sundays, we understand that natural man, man born in sin, and that's all of us, cannot inherit eternal life. As a matter of fact, sinful or natural man can't even understand anything about the kingdom of God. Natural man or the flesh may even attempt to be Christian-like and might even put forward good works that in sometimes shame Christians in some cases. But such good works will not secure eternal life. We saw from the teaching of the Lord in John chapter 3 that the biblical requirement for eternal life is to be born again by the Spirit of God. Only then, with a new nature, can anyone be in the position to understand something of the things of God and do the things of God. Last week, from uh, the first few verses in Romans chapter 8, we heard the gospel coming to us, teaching us that God, in and through Jesus Christ, provided for those whom he calls a righteousness. We look at verses 3 and 4 again. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. But now... That righteousness provided for us in the Lord Jesus Christ 
would be lost to our minds if the Holy Spirit was not given to us to teach us about that and apply that in our lives. It is under the, con- uh, the guidance and the control of the Spirit we now begin to understand what it, belong- what it means to belong to Christ. Where we were once happily on our way to eternal destruction and hell, and the way of death, as the Bible says, His Spirit now takes us, makes us new, and now we are under the control of this Spirit, and we now seek the way of life in Christ. We do so in faith and steadfast hope that God, who raised Jesus from the dead, will one day raise Also our mortal bodies, that's what we read about in verse 11, to be glorified into all eternity. Now this week we look further into the work of the Holy Spirit. When we get to verse 12, we see that subtly the the emphasis is a bit changing there. It is almost as if the first part of the chapter is talking about the objective truth of the gospel. God did all these things. His Spirit does all these things. But when we get to verse 12, it is more about the subjective obedience to the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we read about a new obligation. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to that flesh. The word there, obligation or debtor, It is to say that I owe something to someone. Sinful nature or human flesh, the nature with which we are born, we live as debtors to that sinful nature. Verse 6 says that the mind of sinful man is death. Now what is important here is to, to, to see what the Bible says. It does not say that the mind of sinful man leads to death. It says, the mind of sinful man is death. It is not like we we can sort of more or less now live naturally, sort of out of the realm of something. We live under the realm of either the sinful nature or the realm of of the Lord. In Jesus Christ, under his Holy Spirit. There's There's no somewhere in between. So it is either life or death. It, uh, we live under the law, which that law of death, which demands everything, gives nothing, and in the end rewards with eternal death. In verse 13, Paul gives us the conclusion of such a life. If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. Death is the sovereign of the natural man, and to die under its control is the most natural thing. To die then is to continue with that death, but it's now eternally. Then when the full wrath of God upon sin was fully worked out, everything opposite to peace and happiness will be part of such a person. The only difference is, Now it will be eternally. Sinful man will then see his master, the devil, face to face 
and experience his hateful ownership forever. And there's no escape. I just shudder in the horror of this thought. When I prepared this and wrote this down, I almost had to sit for a while and just think about it. And then, with, with all of this, I look at my own life and bow down before the Lord and thanking Him for His grace and His mercies while I ask that He will give me daily grace to repent of my sin, to develop a hatred and aversion for sin and things that will bring dishonor to His name. Because if, if that's not my case, that is not my desire, if that's not your desire, we live under death. And I pray, my friends, that you will never fall into the trap to even think that you will automatically get into heaven just because you are not as bad as those who wander the streets and abuse alcohol and use drugs and, and, and rape and, and, and uh, bash windows and steal and do all sorts of evil things. It's my prayer that everyone here this morning would know Jesus Christ savingly as Redeemer, being made new by the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the Word, and the teaching of the, and the reading of the Bible, which is like the Bible says, the work of the Spirit through the Bible is like water washing and cleansing us and preparing us to be the bride of Christ. And if this happens, and it may be it already happened in your life, the second part of this verse is pure music to your ear when you are in Christ. It says, If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Why? Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons. Of God. We are children of God by the Holy Spirit. And here is the major shift. Death and human nature and flesh all are now replaced as an opposite by the work of the Holy Spirit who took control of our lives. Where previously we lived under the control and of death and our sinful nature. After being born by the Spirit, we now live under the new control, and that is the control of the Holy Spirit. The English version, standard version translates here, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your body, you will live. We should not live after the flesh in, a, in an existence which is dominated by sin and which leads to death. In the spirit, we are rather to mortify the evil actions of the body in order that we may live. The body as such is not to be put to death, but it should be dedicated new to the Lord. To this end, we have the Holy Spirit to help us. What this verse teaches is this. <clears throat> Amongst other things, we are still facing this world that we live in every day. This world and everything in it is still under the power of sin and the influence of the rebellion of God. That's the type, 
that, that's the world you and I live in. Further, in, in his dealings with people and the things of the world, the newly born Christian still lives in the old body. Although in principle we are children of God for all eternity, we are still subject to the limitations of our body. And as such, we experience temptations. We get angry at times. We become anxious. We do things wrong, even we try to do our best. We might apply the best principles and, 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 and all these things, and still we do things wrong. We know the reality of living with disappointments. We try our hardest to live in peace with everyone and love them as we love ourselves, but sometimes we have to concede that we still have enemies. And, and, and it's so sad that even Christians cannot live with one another. And sometimes we have to, with a smile and with pain in, a smile on our face, a pain in our heart, shake hands with the other and say, well, I've tried my hardest and we have to now disagree or, or agree to disagree on this. That's the world we live in. But the question is, how do we deal with these things? In all of this, we must put to death the deeds of this body we live in. In other words, we would do what comes naturally because of our sinful nature first should be something that we now practice and, and, and make an effort to do to live according to the Spirit of God. And therefore it calls for daily dedication, daily obedience and sanctification in the Lord. Yes, it means to live under the control of Him, the Holy Spirit, who now took control of our life. It's not easy, but we have to. We don't do that in order to become Christians. We do not do that in order to inherit eternal life. We've already been given all these things. But somehow, something of the nature of God and the nature of the Holy Spirit has to be seen in our life. And the reward? You will live. You will live. In other words, the new life, which is now in principle there and has started by the work of the Holy Spirit, will eventually be transcended into the real thing, which is eternal life. And how glorious that is. And then we will be free of the limitations of this body. Our minds will be in perfect harmony with the mind of God and there will be no room for misunderstandings and shortcomings and mistakes and disappointments. Therefore, the Bible says, in that world when we will live eternally, there will be no sickness and no pain and no death and no tears, just eternal happiness in the presence of God. You look forward to that day? When I see myself stumbling each day, and when I do things that I know I shouldn't be doing, things that grieve me, and if it grieves me, how does it grieve God? I just pray and ask, Lord, oh, bring me that day. I can't escape now. I, I, I have to do what the Lord calls me to do now. But I'm still looking forward to the day of the return of Jesus Christ. 
before then, living in this world here and now, the Holy Spirit is given to us to constantly lead us. He takes us spiritually by the hand. That's what the Spirit does. He takes us by the hand. He, he awakens our mind for what displeases God. He opens our mind for the written word of God so that we can understand what we read and understand the will of God. As a matter of fact, he develops in us the drive to read and to study God's word. He prompts us to pray. And he even teaches us what to pray because he knows the mind of God. Our obligation is to listen to him, to follow him, to obey him, to please him, to not resist him, and to not grieve him. Remember, we are now under new control. And as we were by nature so easily swept away to comply to the desires of our sinful nature, now we must develop a new obedience, a new taste for what he teaches. It is a new life of constant obedience. If we do not develop this sensitivity, the Bible says we will be dragged away once again to yield to the desires of the flesh. And in the end, there will be death. Paul stresses this fact in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 7, where he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, which means live in obedience to the work of the Holy Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another to keep you from doing things you want to do. But what the Spirit does is not only does he take us by the hand and applies to us the salvation and the righteousness of Jesus Christ, not only does he teach us to read, to understand the Bible and to pray and to be sensitive to the things of God, he also testifies with us that we are sons of God. Or if I have to politically be, be, be politically correct, I'd say sons and daughters of God. The grace of God in our redemption is that he gave us Christ who took the full penalty of sin. That he had victory over Satan so that we might be free. It is the work then of the Spirit to constantly remind us of that fact that we are now children of God and not children of the old nature under Satan. To address God as Father involves a relationship of intimacy. To be a member in good standing of the family of God is a privilege never to be passively assumed or just taken for granted. In fact, it is the greatest privilege of all to be able to come to God and address Him as Father. And we are not able to do that by nature because by nature we are children of wrath. And those who are in the brother and the sisterhood are brothers and sisters because of their faith they have a unique relationship to Christ. In them the Spirit of Christ dwells. They are those who are led by the Spirit. 
By nature I'm a son of by by nature I'm not a son of God. The only way I can enter into the family of God is to be adopted. Jesus Christ is the only son of God by nature. All other children of God are not natural children, but adopted children. I draw near to the Father through the Spirit, and then I cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit applies the work of Jesus Christ in my life, and now he testifies with my spirit that I'm a child of God, and I look up to God, and I can just say, Father. God made me his child by giving, by giving me salvation. This salvation is the only salvation available. It is the salvation through the only Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. God also gives me his Holy Spirit who applies that salvation to my life. And he indwells me and he testifies with me that I belong to God. And he testifies to me another great truth. That if I'm a child of God... Saved by Jesus Christ, I become an heir of the kingdom of God. Now that's mind-boggling. That's mind-boggling. This is so important. Why? Along, all along the devil, knowing that he has lost hold on me, will try to offer me anything to distract me from this phenomenal inheritance I have in Christ. Can you remember what he did with Christ? He tried to promise him all sorts of things that he couldn't give him. That didn't belong to him in the first instance. And now he does that with me too. He wants to distract me. The Spirit of God constantly assures of the greatness of the inheritance of Christ. Instead of listening to the voice of Him who tried to deceive us, we listen to the voice of the Spirit. And what does that say? The Spirit Himself bears witness in our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also glorify with Him. What does it mean? We, we need to... To, to, to identify with Christ in every way. Dr. R.C. Sproul writes on this verse, To be an heir is to be rightfully in line to inherit what is in store for you. Because of our adoption into the family of God, we are no longer strangers, nor are we of our original father, the devil. Instead, we possess an inalienable right to receive all that God has promised to give to us, beginning with our elder brother, Christ Jesus. When we talk about being a co-heir of Christ, or that we share in his kingdom, it takes me out of, it, I, I run out of words. As I marvel at these things in the Word of God, and, and I just thought I'll, I'll just look at a few verses in the Bible to bring this home to us, to what it means then to be an, an heir. To mean that I share in the kingdom of Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 29 says, If you are Christ's, then you are offspring of Abraham, heirs according to that promise. In other words, Galatians 4, verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. 
and if a son, then an heir through God. You know, you've got, if you are a child of God and, 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 and you live under the control of the Holy Spirit, you're led by the Holy Spirit, you know what it says there? Your name is written in the will of God. Revelation chapter 2, 11. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life, of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Sometimes we want to go back to paradise. You know what? Heaven is going to be better than paradise. Verse 11 of Revelation chapter 2. To the one who conquers, the one who conquers will not be heard by the second death. Will never not be heard by second death. What does that mean? We'll die now. And when Christ comes again and we appear before the judgment throne and we are then for eternity put into either heaven or hell, those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will not go into that eternal hell. Will not be hurt by that. Revelation chapter 2, 26 to 28. The man who conquers and keeps my works until the end to him I will give authority. Listen to this. I'll give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. As when earthen pots are broken in pieces. Even as I myself have received authority from my father. I will give him the morning star. What does the morning star do? morning star says, night's over, day has come. My dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, this is your inheritance because God looked upon you and said he sent his son to do what you and I could not do. He purchased a righteousness to satisfy the wrath of God. And the Spirit teaches us these things and gives us the faith to believe that we know have no condemnation anymore. He also helps us to follow Christ Constantly reminding us that we belong to God and that we are heirs of Christ. Now, why would we turn away from the hollow misgivings and the hollow promises of a life in obedience to the devil? Why? I can't find a good reason. My sinful nature takes me there. Therefore, we need to be reminded, as we remind, are reminded by the Spirit of God today, think about your standing in Christ when the evil tried to entice you again into what he cannot give you. He himself is doomed in any case. May God give us the grace. Amen. Our Father, we pray that you will give us a heart of flesh. That indeed, Father, you will do it for your own glory. And that you will teach us to be a witness to the nations. So that they will see your holiness. 
We thank you, Father, for grace and mercy. We thank you for a new life. We thank you for hope. We thank you that we now may live and look forward to the day that we may live eternally. In Jesus' name, amen.